It's my observation that people tend to operate in extremes, and that's in all kinds of areas of life, but it especially is true when it comes to conflict. And the, the two extremes, of course, are those who thrive on conflict and those who avoid conflict. So there are, there are some people that are always ready for a conflict. They might not think of it in terms of conflict, but they're always ready to correct someone. And uh, there's different reasons why this happens. I think sometimes there are people who are just uh, combative in nature. Uh, some people are perfectionists. And so if they hear a, um, a mistake in grammar or uh, use of language, they have to be right there to pounce on that because that must be stamped out right at that moment. Uh, for some people, it's about being um, perhaps uh, having low self-esteem. And if they can see the mistakes in others, and not just see them, but to correct them in front of other people, then they're, they're feeling better. Because at least the, the attention, the spotlight is on this other person who has messed up. And we can say, look, look at this person. And I'm going to make a big deal about this, so you're not going to see the problems that I have. Sometimes they're very uh, innocent things that are being done. Uh, some people are just uh, always on the lookout. There's got to be something wrong somewhere. Someone has got to have done something, and I have the God-given duty to make sure that everyone knows where the blame is and what the problem is and so on. And so some people, that's just their natural... Uh, that's their natural personality. That's where they tend to go. Uh, it may be from bad motives. It may be from good motives. Whatever, it's still, uh, they thrive on the conflict. There are other people who are on the opposite side. They will avoid conflict no matter what. If they see something going on, they are not going to say anything. They don't want to be involved at all. Have you ever seen the TV series, What Would You Do?, uh, it's a very interesting thing. You can still see them on uh, YouTube. Uh, you, you can uh, uh, find these videos. And what they do is they set up a situation. It's a, they use actors, but they set up an artificial situation, but in a real place. And they have cameras around, and they film to see how people respond. And so uh, it, usually it's something that should be causing concern. Uh, they have had examples where there's a, a babysitter who is treating the, the child that they're looking after very badly. Uh, or there are times that they're in a restaurant and there's, uh, they have someone who is, uh, uh, there's one where they, the person is speaking very badly to a family who has a, a child with autism. I mean, there's a whole bunch of situations like that. And as you watch it, you'll see there's certain people who will sit there and they'll look and they will not say anything. Even though you can tell by their facial expressions, they're bothered by what is going on. It's not their business. They're going to keep their mouth shut. But of course, there's usually someone who can, can't take it anymore and they step in and they try to say, this is, this is wrong, what you're doing is wrong. And then they find out afterwards, of course, that, uh, that it, would, it was all a setup and, and they, they understand uh, that they've been... Uh, uh, worked up just for uh, TV ratings, but anyways, it's it's an interesting picture into uh, into human nature. And one of the saddest things that I found actually in our current chapter of life is that when something is happening, if there's something really really bad happening, sometimes even an assault that is taking place, 
Uh, instead of people intervening or even calling for help, they're more likely to record it on their phone so that they can upload it to social media. They're going to say that, well, I don't want to get involved, but they're happy to hit record and to observe it. Uh, instead, even if they don't want to step in and put their own life in danger, they could call 911, but they will say, no, I don't want to do 911 because it's not my business. I don't want to get involved, but I will record it because people might find it interesting afterwards. It is, it is very, very sad to see that. And then the truth is, there are times when something is happening and it is none of our business and we should keep our mouth shut and we shouldn't get involved. There are cases like that, but there are other cases when it is time for us to step in. And I believe that there, there has to be a happy medium that we can find a place where we're not always attacking everyone around us who is doing something that we find annoying, but we're also not uh, separating ourselves from everything that's going on that we're, we're keeping completely out of it. So what we're going to do is look at a very interesting passage from uh, Galatians. Maybe a, a passage you haven't even read before. Uh, I have never preached on this before. I don't think I've even contemplated preaching on this before, but I've always found this passage interesting. So a little bit of background. First of all, the, the first thing you need to know here, that the person named Cephas in this uh, passage is the same person as the Apostle Peter. Okay, Cephas is his Aramaic name, Peter is his Greek name. Both of those mean uh, basically rocky is, is what his name is. But uh, uh, Paul is using his Aramaic name Cephas here. So when you see Cephas, just in your mind, uh, just think of it as being Peter that is uh, going on here. So what we have here with uh, Peter and Paul, uh, um, Peter was from definitely a very Jewish background. And we are told that he actually was called to be the apostle to the Jews. That that was the focus of his ministry. However, in the book of Acts, we find that Peter was also called to be the apostle who would first preach to the Gentiles, specifically to Cornelius and his household. And this was a very uh, important uh, event that takes place because before... Uh, the understanding was if a Gentile uh, wanted to become a Christian, what they would have to do is con- they'd have to become Jewish first because uh, f- following Jesus was something that was available to Jews. So a Gentile, you wanted to become a Christian, fine. Uh, get circumcised, become uh, a Jew, and then now you can follow Jesus. But through his experience with Cornelius, uh, we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius Uh, Him and his household are accepted by God, and this is a turning point for the church. And some people really struggled with it. They thought, okay, God might be open to Gentiles, but we're not so sure. They're just a little bit too different. But this was a a turning point for, uh, for the church, and Peter was involved in that. Now, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles being non-Jews. However, he still was from a Jewish background himself, uh, and he was very much interested in Jewish people becoming Christians. We find that his pattern was to go into a synagogue, uh, he would preach to the Jews, he'd get a a core group of people who'd follow Jesus, and they'd go out into the community, preach to the Gentiles, and they would build a church. And so, uh, Peter and Paul have different kinds of ministries, but there's an overlap that goes on here. And uh, there are times when they're in the same place at the same time. 
And this happens to be in a place called Antioch, where they are there. And everything is going great. Now, it looks like in Antioch, you mostly have a Gentile, so a non-Jewish church that is there, with a few Jewish Christians who are in the mix. And then you have Peter and Paul as well. Now, one of the things that the gospel did is break down the wall between Jews and Gentiles. There was all kinds of traditions that limited uh, their interaction, especially how they ate together. Uh, we might not think of it as being a big deal as who you're sitting at a table with, but in the ancient world, who you ate with uh, was representative of who you valued. And so the whole concept of table fellowship is something that uh, I could do not just a whole sermon, but I could do a whole sermon series on. It's such an important thing. It's, it's a really big topic in the, in the early church. And so the gospel broke that down. And, and God basically said, you know what? You're followers of Jesus. Sit down together at a table together. Enjoy fellowship. Enjoy community. Enjoy a good meal and be together. And that's what was happening at Antioch. So uh, Peter is there with his uh, uh, Gentile friends. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're sitting at the table. They're enjoying a, a great dinner. Everything is going great. And then some Jewish Christians, some more conservative Jewish Christians came from Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Peter starts to get nervous. And he knows that he knows that technically he's allowed to be there with the Gentiles, that God, God gave him a vision. God specifically said to him, uh, those whom I say are clean don't say that they're unclean. So God spoke directly to Peter on this issue. So he understood that in his head. But in his heart, he realized some of these Jewish Christians, they are not as open-minded, and they're not going to be too happy about this. And so Peter begins to withdraw. He spends less and less time with his Gentile friends. And, and remember, Peter is a major leader in this. So we might think, as a leader, he should have known better. But it's even worse, because as a leader, he begins to influence the other people. It's not necessarily that he went around and told people what to do, but they know he's one of the top apostles if he's withdrawing from the Gentiles, maybe we should as well. So some of the other Gentiles do, including Barnabas. Barnabas is one of Paul's best friends, uh, his early ministry partner. And Barnabas begins to withdraw as well. And, and Paul is looking at this and is thinking to himself, are you kidding me? Really? You're going to do this because these people have come from Jerusalem and you're gonna, you think that they don't approve. And so now you're going to do this? And we find that Paul uh, goes after Peter publicly and rebukes him and just lays down the law. This is the way it is. And you are wrong. You are being a hypocrite in what you are doing. And a hypocrite, uh, that actually is a Greek word. And it's, it actually is the word for actor. And in the uh, ancient world, an actor would wear a mask. And so if you wanted to be whatever it is you wanted to be in, in that play, you would have a mask. But the mask wouldn't represent who you were. It represented the role that you were playing. And uh, Paul is saying to Peter and the others who are following his example, you're being hypocrites because you have been pretending that you are uh, great with these Gentile Christians. You're enjoying fellowship with them. And now you're backing away, saying, well, no, actually, maybe we don't want to do that. 
And so he's being a hypocrite. He's not being who he really is. And so he confronts him in this way. Now, did Paul go to Peter privately first and then found out it was unsuccessful and then had to go? Uh, Was this a last resort uh, between Paul and Peter? We don't know. That's not recorded for us. We have no idea. We'd love to have those answers. What we do know is that Paul thought this was important enough that he would make a big deal and publicly rebuke. Now, again, think about who Peter is. Okay, one of the top of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. And Paul publicly rebukes him in front of the church. He thought it was that important. Now, how do we apply this to our life now? Am I going to invite you to stand up right now and start yelling across the pews, uh, this is what I don't like about you, this is what I don't like about you, and so on. I, that, In case you're wondering, no, that's not what I'm going to invite you to do. Uh, you know, Although, uh, my mother once told me, at a, and this is a true story, at the church she was attending, uh, the pastor, I don't know what was going on, but during the service... I guess he had gotten frustrated and he began to vent during the service and he began to point and to call names of people in the pew that he thought were not doing things the way they should be doing. And he publicly rebuked about four or five people in the congregation saying, you are doing this wrong, you are doing this wrong, you are doing this wrong. And she couldn't believe it that uh, that a pastor would do that. I don't think that that pastor is at that church anymore. But uh, that uh, that kind of thing can happen. That is not what this is about. This is not about giving full permission to vent over every little thing that bothers you and to make it a public spectacle. That is not what is going on. Because I suspect that there had been other things between Peter and Paul that they had disagreed about or maybe had found slightly annoying about each other. I'm sure that that was there. But we have no record of them confronting each other over those things. So there was something specific about this that Paul could not hold back. He needed to take a stand on this. And that's because this was a gospel issue. And you might think, well, how is it a gospel issue? Who you're sitting at at a table? That's not a gospel issue. It is a gospel issue because it is about the unity of the church. The gospel broke down the walls and said that people of all backgrounds are allowed to be followers of Jesus and to be in full fellowship with each other. And by Peter beginning to withdraw and leading other people to withdraw from that, he was... Uh, rebuilding that wall. It made me think about uh, what we say in weddings. When we're uh, when I'm performing a wedding, I'll say, uh, "What God has joined together, let no person uh, uh, separate." Well, we could say the exact same thing when it comes to the church. What God has joined together, let none of us cause division. It is wrong to do this. This is a gospel situation. So we have to ask: Is there are things that people can do today that would cause division, that would uh, create uh, uh, problems in the unity of the church. And of course, those things can happen. We have to use discernment, though, to know if that is something that is real. Sometimes we just need to have a thick skin, right? That's something we have to remember. There are times that we're not going to like something. Maybe we didn't like uh, that style of music 
Or maybe we didn't like how that person was dressed. Uh, I used to be a youth pastor at a church, and uh, I remember uh, um, we were coming out of uh, the worship service, and one of the adults came to one of the teens in the youth group and said, um, God hates your earrings. So he, he was a guy, and he happened to have an earring in, in both ears. And uh, she said, God hates your earrings. Uh, now, that's not really what was going on. What was really going on was she hated those earrings, but she needed a little bit more authority behind it, so she decided to put God on that. And so he, that really got him upset, like, is that true? She, he came to me and said, Steve, is that true? God hates my earrings? I said, I don't know. Has God told you that uh, he hates your earrings? And she's like, no. Well, don't worry about it then. It's no, no big deal. As far as I know, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's married, he has children, and I'm pretty sure he still wears those earrings. It's uh, no big deal. He's, uh, he's very involved in church and, and whatever. That was not something that was worth confronting about. Yeah, I'm sure she, she didn't like seeing a guy wearing earrings. I'm sure there are people who don't like tattoos. It's just, personally, they just they find it something that they don't really like. Or maybe uh, I, I knew a, a woman, uh, she was uh, uh, deeply offended by people wearing jeans. Uh, she was in a nursing home, and her doctor came to visit her, and uh, her doctor happened to be wearing jeans when she came to visit her in the nursing home. And she told me afterwards, she was deeply offended by that. And I, I didn't tell her that very often I did my visits in jeans. It just so happened that that visit I didn't have jeans on, but I, I very well could have done that. That is not something that's going to cause a problem into church. We just have to have a thick skin and say, you know what, we're going to agree to disagree. But there are other things that can cause, uh, uh, that are gospel issues, that we need to take a stand. Um, there's all kinds of things that can, that can come about. I will say, though, that as much as we can learn something from Paul here, I would suggest that we don't start where Paul is here. Uh, if you feel like uh, there's something going on that you think must be addressed in some way, the first step is not to stand up in church and let loose in the middle of the, uh, the service. That's not the first step. The first step would probably be to go and talk to another um, uh, respected uh, Christian, uh, preferably who's not really connected uh, very well with the situation, and say, you know, am I um, making too big of a thing? Is this something that is serious that I should be worried about? And if it is, then go to the person who is, you're having the conflict with and talk to them and say uh, privately, you know, this is, I'm concerned about this behavior that is going on, what you're doing, whatever it might be. And, and go in a spirit of humility. You don't go as uh, God's police officer that you're there to enforce the divine law. You go there in humility to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on exactly, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable about uh, what is taking place, and and do that. And it might end up being that you have to uh, bring in a leader at some point. The point is, this is the principle that we can learn from Paul. There are times when we need to take a stand. It could be that we see that there's a particular person who's going around gossiping under the guise of prayer requests, and is sharing everyone's business, and is not even caring if they're getting the information accurate. 
and relationships are being broken and division is being created. And we are seeing that and we're thinking, okay, this, is, this isn't just uh, harmless uh, activity that's going on. There is real damage that's taking place here. Then it's time to take a stand. There might be other areas in which we take a stand as well. I'm going to confess to you, uh, when it comes to those two extremes about uh, seeking conflict, thriving on conflict, and avoiding conflict, uh, my personality is to avoid conflict, okay? Uh, I don't even like having those hard conversations with my children uh, when they've done something. I definitely don't want to have to have those conversations with others. But I will tell you, I've had to do it. Uh, When I was interviewing for this church, Uh, the search committee asked me what was the hardest experience I had as a pastor. And I won't give you the details, but I will say that the hardest experience was when I was a youth pastor at another church, I had to confront one of my youth leaders over some behavior and uh, had to have a very, very difficult conversation. And I was terrified about that. I went into that conversation with fear and trembling. I didn't go in thinking, that's it, I am... I am the righteous one who has come to, uh, to put down the evil works of, of this uh, youth leader. I did not have that attitude at all. I hated having that conversation. And there were consequences to that conversation. It took a long, long time for that, that relationship to be repaired. But that was a stand that had to be taken. We need to be very careful in what we choose to confront a person about. Very often, it's going to be about us having a thick skin and saying, you know what, Uh, I'm uncomfortable with the way that person does things, but it's not a gospel issue, so I'm just going to deal with it. When it is a gospel issue, when we do have to take a stand, even then, we have to confront very carefully and do it bathed in prayer. Let us pray. God, what an incredible story this is as we think about Paul confronting Peter. And uh, it would have been uh, an amazing place uh, to be at to be able to witness that and to see these two top leaders in this kind of conflict. Lord, we don't want to see conflict happening. We don't want to have to confront each other. And there are times we know that confrontation has taken place and it's been done in a poor way. And it has caused uh, broken relationships that did not need to be broken. We pray that you would give us wisdom, that we would be able to lead in a proper way, that we would be able to uh, have the, the wisdom to be able to know when to intervene and when to speak up and when to keep our mouth shut and when to just keep on uh, letting things go. Uh, We pray for that wisdom in your name. Amen.